You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Good morning, church. My name is Derek, and this is my wife, Denise. And today's reading is from Psalm 23. As you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Eric and Denise, for reading God's word. Uh, my name is uh, David. I'm one of the elders here. Um, Pastor Joel, who normally preaches, uh, he's uh, on vacation, or he, as, he, as he likes to say, on holiday uh, for two weeks. Um, and so I'll be covering the pulpit uh, for the next two Sundays. Let's pause a moment in prayer, and uh, we'll dive into Psalm 23. God, we ask that your spirit would lead us and guide us to see that you are our good shepherd. Speak to us, transform us, and make us more like you, God, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, today, uh, as we continue our Summer in the Psalm series, now, and, and it looks like we're actually now really in summer, right? Um, flip-flops and Hawaiian shirts I've seen. Uh, we're going to dive into Psalm 23, which starts off with the famous phrase, The Lord is my shepherd. And the psalm is probably the most well-known psalm in the church and also outside of the church. It's been read countless times at funerals and read, read over those who are suffering from affliction and even death. It has been a source of much comfort to assure people that are going through suffering as this psalm emphasizes that our God is not a being who is distant, but the Lord who is attentive and present with us as a good shepherd is with his sheep. But if you think about the metaphor for, uh, for God being our good shepherd, now this means that those who follow God are like sheep. Now who likes to be called a sheep? Now some of you uh, may not mind being called a sheep, but certainly you probably wouldn't want people to see you as being sheep-like in the workplace, for instance. And even in the church, we don't go around telling people that we are sheep and we're looking for more people to be like sheep. Well, why is that? Well, being a sheep connotes someone who wanders, is a follower rather than a leader. And in many contexts, this is not considered bad, but being called a sheep can also mean that you are clueless of your surroundings and tragically end up as prey for wolves, basically a predator's lunch. 
No one wants to end up being someone's meal. We, we like to think of ourselves as being intelligent and capable and able to determine our own destinies. We prefer being the predator rather than the prey. I don't know about you, but I love watching the animal shows, right? Like Animal Planet on Netflix, especially, especially the scenes where the predator, like a lion, right, takes down a wildebeest and then starts chowing down. I don't know if you like that, but I do. I enjoy watching that. It's fascinating, right? Maybe in some subconscious way, I like to think that I'm powerful and, and like to take down prey too. So you see, sheep, they're not, they're not aggressive. They are not the take-charge kind of animals, and they often end up wandering off to find themselves in a ditch or get eaten when they don't stay under the guidance and protection of a good shepherd. Sheep are helpless without a shepherd, and we may not generally want to be helpless. Now, this psalm was written by King David, who knew firsthand what it meant to be a shepherd who tends and cares for the sheep. And when King David was younger, before he played any significant leadership role in Israel, his personal job and responsibility was to tend to the family's sheep. David was a shepherd well before he became a king. And David's experience as a shepherd shaped him to learn how to lead and, more importantly, how to be led by God. Psalm 23 is David's beautiful expression of his experience of being led by the Lord, his good shepherd. And being a shepherd in ancient societies generally was looked down upon and it was not considered a noble profession. We see that this song of David in Psalm 23 is the most confident expression in the Lord who is always with him in the highs and lows of life. Not just watching him from a distance, but personally leading him and comforting him and being present with him. And because the Lord the shepherd has always been with him, David further expresses that he has no lack, that the Lord who is his shepherd is not only enough in the sense that he provides the minimum, but that David finds all that he needs in the Lord who provides for him and personally guides him. It's an expression of complete satisfaction and comfort in his God. David has infinite resources accessible to him from the Lord, his shepherd. So he trusts in the Lord and not in his circumstances. I want us to see in Psalm 23 that if we are to lead a life that honors God in the highs and lows of life and follows God faithfully so that we can have a flourishing life, then we need to be well led by the Lord who is our good shepherd. In other words, in order to honor God, we have to be led by God. Additionally, we need to realize that underneath the layers of our talents and abilities and facades before God, we are like sheep spiritually, which is a good thing and quite humbling too. Would you turn to the person next to you and say this? You are a sheep. Can you say that? You are a sheep. Yes. I know, 
I want you to know that this is a good thing because the Lord is our shepherd. And no matter what our human abilities may be, we are spiritually bankrupt and, and, sh- and like sheep before a rich and mighty God. And that's okay. In fact, it is a good thing to understand and admit that we have limits because that's where it all begins. So what do we see about God in this psalm who is praised as the Lord who is my shepherd? Borrowing a lot from Pastor Tom Nelson's book on the flourishing pastor, I want to look at four things to help us worship and praise and trust in the Lord, our shepherd. Number one, we'll look at the shepherd who is with us. Secondly, the shepherd who wisely guides us, the shepherd who provides abundantly for us. And lastly, the shepherd who restores us. We don't exactly know why David wrote this psalm or what specific situation he found himself in, but we get a hint in verse 4 when he writes, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He has definitely been going through a difficult season in his life. And because of this, he is able to testify to the God who walks with him in his darkness. So I believe in this psalm we will be, uh, we'll be comforted for anyone who is going through affliction, through a season of darkness, suffering, or isolation. So let's take a look at the first point, that the shepherd who is with us. Now David reminds himself and everyone else who's reading this psalm that the good shepherd is always with us. I want you to notice something important about his this personal, how personal this psalm is to King David and the intimacy that he has with the Lord. Now, repeatedly, throughout the whole psalm, we see the words, my and me. Right? The Lord is my shepherd, not someone else's shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You are with me. It's very, very personal. Do you notice that? The relationship David has with the Lord, it's, it's real, it's tangible, it's experiential, and not just this theoretical thing in his, in his mind, because the Lord has been actively present in the life of David, providing for him, restoring his soul, and leading David to places of rest and in this path of righteousness in good and wise living. Even as David endured dark and difficult seasons in life where he poetically expresses this by writing, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because David says, for you are with me. Can you sing and confess with David the confidence and trust he expressed in the Lord who is with you? Have you experienced that God walks with you through the dark valleys? If not, I pray that as you encounter various challenges in your life, that you will remember to look to God because He is with us. We all need to be reminded and assured of this truth that the Lord, our Good Shepherd, is with us. In times when we're not thriving, when we're struggling to do what is right, we can feel as if the Lord is not with us. When we're anxious and fearful about our future, 
feels like God is far away. When we're isolated and overwhelmed with the stress of life, it feels that the Lord is not there with us. And there are many reasons why it feels like God is so distant, don't we? Please remember, regardless of what you are facing in the dark valleys of your life, our good shepherd is always with you and for you. Now notice, David didn't say, even though I walk through the valley of death, but rather he said, the valley of the shadow of death. Charles Spurgeon, the great British preacher, he points out that a shadow means that there is some light nearby, and you cannot have a shadow without a source of light. The shadow of death and evil are real, and they're powerful forces that want to isolate you from the Lord's presence and destroy you. But the fact that there is even a shadow in the valley, in the dark valley of life, means that the light is close by. The Lord is present with you in the valleys. This is why you don't have to fear. When you, when you experience a season in the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is present with you in the valley, experiencing the darkness with you. The Lord is with you, and the Lord is for you. The Lord, the Lord God, our good shepherd, is present with us to restore our soul, to anoint our head with healing oil, to comfort us when we are fearful and anxious. The Israelites in the Old Testament also experienced many moments where they were overwhelmed with fear as nations around them wanted to destroy them. But God, but God reminded them that they were not alone. Look in Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, O people of God, my people Israel, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. As God was with the Israelites in the Old Testament, the Lord, our good shepherd, is with you today. Well, how do we know that? Well, we look at the words of Jesus. Well, before Jesus, he ascended into heaven after enduring death on a cross for our sins and then resurrecting to life to give us new life. He tells his disciples, assuring them that he will be present with them. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He renewed the, the words of Psalm 23's promise in being with us always in this passage, the closing, the book of Matthew. So we know that even today, as followers of Jesus, who experience the joys and sorrows of life, we have confidence that the Lord, our good shepherd, is always with us. Amen? Amen? Secondly, we see that the good shepherd wisely guides us. One of the primary responsibilities of the shepherd is to provide guidance for the sheep. As we mentioned before, sheep are not intelligent animals. They, they easily wander away even if they are brought to a green pasture next to an abundant supply of water. Sheep are so clueless of their surroundings that they still wander away to barren old fields. The shepherd has to guide the sheep and lead them to the places where they need to go. And sheep cannot be left wandering alone because they will not survive apart from the leading and protection of the shepherd. 
But when the good shepherd leads the sheep, they, they thrive. Look at verses 2 and 3 with me. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The guiding role of the shepherd that is emphasized here is this very personal and tender guidance which leads the sheep to flourish. The good shepherd finds the best place for the sheep to lie down to rest and graze. Additionally, the good shepherd leads his sheep to streams of fresh water for the sheep to be refreshed. Also, the good shepherd leads his sheep in paths of righteousness, which is not talking about making, making us more moral, but, but guiding us in wisdom for a flourishing life and not one of destruction and ruin. One, certainly, one certainty that I know to be absolutely true is that life is uncertain. We just don't know what life will throw at us, and there is no amount of planning that we can do to prepare for all of the unexpected changes and the curveballs of life. Can we all agree that there is so much ambiguity and complexity and uncertainty in, uh, in life? But we can take comfort in knowing that our good shepherd wisely guides us. So how does our good shepherd guide us? He guides us through his revealed word and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Are you at a crossroads not knowing which path to take? We don't have to stay in the dark or stay confused. Search out the scriptures and daily receive the good shepherd's guidance in how to live a faithful and fruitful life as his follower. The Psalms, another psalmist, he writes, the Lord, the, God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. But there are harmful ways we can use the Bible to try to gain wisdom in our lives. Here's one example of what not to do. Now, please don't try this or try to use the Bible as some sort of divine code book to direct you almost like a, a Ouija board because it could go very wrong. This is what I mean. Let me give you an example. You say, for instance, okay, God, lead me. Give me financial wisdom. You have extra money uh, during the month, and you're like, okay, guide me, Lord. So you begin to open up Scripture. You randomly open up Scripture. You close your eyes. You put your finger on it, and you come to Matthew 27, 5, and it says, so Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. You're like, wait a second. No, that's... That, no, that's not good. That's not what I'm looking for. So you try it again. You flip through another section of the Bible, and you come to Luke 10, 37. And it says, and Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Don't do this, right? Don't do this. Not that, that hopefully you're not doing this and you're hitting these passages, right? But we need a good diet of the New and Old Testament in context to hear of God's grand story. Maybe if you are just starting out reading the Bible, you start with the Gospel of John, and you see who Jesus is and what he said and wrestle with the hard sayings of Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and, and give you understanding. And if you get confused, ask a mature Christian to study the Bible with you. The reason for this 
is that our life with God is not just about making the right decision for a particular decision in your life, but our purpose in seeking God's wisdom and direction is actually much bigger. It's about getting to know God as a person as He is and allowing God to draw us close to Him, to align our lives to His purpose and His will and learning to trust and rest in Him. You see, our Good Shepherd also invites us to experience His guidance through the power of prayer. In James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. See, in prayer, our Good Shepherd guides us sometimes through His still, small voice, and the light bulb goes on. Sometimes your prayer may result in God using someone else to give you wise counsel. Our good shepherd wisely guides us and we need to trust in him. Proverbs, the book on wisdom, says in chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. We'll not always know which way to go. But our good shepherd invites us to trust in in him. Not sometimes, but with all of our heart. Not relying on how smart or experienced we are, but recognizing that God has a better way, a wiser way. So it's about coming to God with our plans, but with an open grip on those plans, with hands open wide to his leading and direction and trusting that he actually knows best what is good for us. So our good shepherd is not only with us, who is intimately involved in our lives, but he also guides us wisely as a good shepherd should. Thirdly, we see that the good shepherd provides abundantly for us. Now, throughout this psalm, we see the Good Shepherd's abundant provision and David's confidence in his access to the Lord's abundant resources for all that he needs. The Good Shepherd provides green pastures for for his sheep, refreshing waters, restoration of his soul, a rod of correction, a staff of protection, a lavish table of provision, healing oil for the head, a cup overflowing with God's good provision. On the one hand, we can suffer from a scarcity and poverty mentality as a Christian where we think that God is stingy and for whatever reason is withholding his blessings upon us. Or on the other hand, we can wrongly feel entitled to all of God's blessings and abundant provisions because you have been following the rules. Now, both extremes are dangerous to believe in because Psalm 23 shows us that the Lord, our good shepherd, has infinite resources and desires to bless us with all that we need and more. Not because we've earned it or deserve it, but simply because he is a generous, good shepherd. David opens up the psalm by declaring, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David is saying, I lack nothing because the Lord is my shepherd. 
the confidence of David is that the Lord is the one who watches over him, so therefore he shall have need of nothing. The Lord knows what we need and provides for us richly. Now, in one sense, we really need to differentiate our wants from our needs. Because here in the States, an average person has, has so much stuff and comforts in life given to us by a generous God relative to the world's standard. We have cars, not one, but cars. We have running water. We have more food than we can consume. Extra shoes. We have multiple changes of clothes for matching outfits even. Just stop and think about the ways our good shepherd has provided all that you need to live each day with so much more comfort than the average person living in the world today. We need to confess before God our greed for more and more stuff and repent of the sin of covetousness when we complain about what we don't have. We need to thank God for all that we do have given to us by a gracious God. Think about all the extra things that you have beyond what you need to live. Thank God for each of these blessings. Look back at your life and see the ways God has provided for you financially and spiritually and relationally. I'm sure you can see evidence of God's gracious and abundant blessings. Our good shepherd is a gracious provider to us. So he provides for our needs and also sometimes he provides for our wants too. Now look at some other ways our good shepherd provides for his sheep in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Shepherds often will prepare a place in the highlands for the sheep to graze in the summers. A good shepherd will prepare before the sheep arrive. They remove physical hazards, destroying poisonous plants. They drive out uh, the predator so they can feast in the grass upon the highlands. Additionally, ancient shepherds used a mixture of olive oil and spices to apply uh, to their sheep to protect them from insects and to promote uh, healing from infectious skin diseases. David says, I shall not want, because God is not only our provider, but he gives us what we ultimately need. Beyond just our wants and more stuff and more security and more comfort, and these are nice things we might want and we might enjoy to some extent, but actually, what we ultimately need is God himself. And that's exactly what God has given to us through his son, Jesus. Jesus paid for our sin, enabled us to be with God. And that's exactly what he continues to give to us through his Holy Spirit, God who is with us every day and everywhere. He lives inside of us. He indwells us. He promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. God has given us himself now and for eternity which is why we will not want for anything. 
He anoints us with the Holy Spirit and our cup overflows. Because when God is with us, our cup overflows and we will want for nothing when we have God himself. Amen? So we saw, number one, that God, our good shepherd, is with us. Secondly, we saw that the shepherd who wisely guides us. Thirdly, that God, who is our shepherd, who provides abundantly for us. And lastly, we look at the shepherd, the good shepherd, who restores us. Did you know that if sheep, um, they fall over, they have a very difficult time getting up on their feet? Their legs begin flailing um, into the air, attempting to return to an upright position with little success. Now, this position is referred to as cast-down sheep. Sheep's bodies are built in such a way that after hours in this uh, position, gas collects in their four-compartment stomach, which then hardens. Then the air passage becomes cut off, and the sheep will eventually suffocate and die if not picked up in time. Have you ever found yourself cast down? Where you are spiritually on your back, helpless, unable to pick yourself up, and overwhelmed with hopelessness? We can all relate to a cast-down sheep, can't we? Sometimes we do it to ourselves, and other times, circumstances of life unexpectedly cast us down. But we are reminded and assured that our good shepherd, in verse 3, says, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. The literal translation of verse 3 is, He causes my soul to return. What this means is that the Lord restores to us vitality, strength, and he renews and invigorates us. It is a result of the Lord's care for the sheep. What the good shepherd does when he restores our soul is not to give us mere optimism or another pep talk to cheer us up. The good shepherd assures us that when we are cast down, that he will not leave us or abandon us, but he will pursue us in the wounded state we find ourselves in and where we are unable to pick ourselves up. Are you cast down like sheep in a place where you are about to give up? Put your trust in the good shepherd. Call upon the good shepherd for help. Call on him to save you, to restore you, to strengthen you, and to to renew you. Sometimes that's all we can do when we are overwhelmed. Call on the Lord, and he promises here in his word that he will restore our soul. Additionally, in verse 6, David writes, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I, will, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Another translation shows the Good Shepherd's relentless pursuit of us in this passage. In the message translation, it says this, Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. When you follow God and trust in Him, He not only protects us from harm, but pursues us with beauty and love, goodness, and mercy, not just one day, 
But all the days of our life, the psalmist declares, whether you have failed miserably or are living a mediocre life or even leave, or living at the height of success, the Lord, our good shepherd, is with you. You are safe and secure under the loving care of our good shepherd. The good shepherd is before you. He is by you and he is behind you. He surrounds you and lives inside of you. The good shepherd is always with us, actively involved and attentive to our well-being. He leads us in paths of wise living so that we can avoid harm and ruin. He provides us with all that we need out of his abundant and extravagant blessings. Our good shepherd doesn't leave when we are cast down, but he restores us so that we can trust in the Lord. As powerful and reassuring as Psalm 23 is to all of us in displaying the Lord who is our good shepherd and, and the confidence that we can have in trusting in him, over 900 years after King David penned Psalm 23, Jesus Christ, who was intimately familiar with Psalm 23, proclaimed, I am the good shepherd. Jesus takes the shepherd-sheep metaphor and directly applies it to himself and his mission in seeking and saving the lost. Bottom line, Jesus came to be with us, to wisely guide us, to provide abundantly for us, and to restore us to God. Jesus, our good shepherd, calls us to follow him and to put our trust in him. Jesus came to call his sheep. And when he calls them, John chapter 10 verse 3 says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He became flesh to be with us, to dwell among us and to guide us back to God. Not only that, Jesus, our good shepherd, came to abundantly provide for his sheep with all that we need. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And this abundant life that Jesus gives to us is abundant exactly because Christ gives himself to us. Also, Jesus, our good shepherd, came to lead and guide us. In verse 4 of John chapter 10, he, he says, When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Ultimately, in order to, to provide us with new life and eternal rest and everlasting joy, the good shepherd gave up his life to save and bless his sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus met our needs in a lavish and extravagant way by giving us himself. The old sacrificial system in the Old Testament allowed the Israelites to be forgiven of their sins, but they could not enjoy what was given to us now through faith in Christ a heart of flesh instead of remaining with a heart of stone. 
But Jesus provided a way. Jesus, our good shepherd, laid down his life, dying on the, cro- dying on the cross on our behalf for our sin so that we might receive not only the forgiveness of sin, but also new life in Christ. Jesus rose from the grave to defeat death. And his resurrection is our hope for our future resurrection too. He defeated the evil of Satan and the power of sin to ascend at the right hand of God in all glory and all authority. And while we sometimes struggle to live between the already and not yet in this present life, Jesus, our good shepherd, made it possible for us to live a life of abundance and dependence on him. Jesus, our good shepherd, who cares for us, who restores us, who leads us, who guides us, who provides for us, and is present with us always as our good shepherd. Amen. Let us pray. God, we, we thank you, Lord, for assuring us in this beautiful, poetic song in Psalm 23 that reminds us of a good shepherd who wants the best for us. Lord, there are many here who are struggling to see you as the good shepherd. There are many struggling, wandering, not knowing where to go. But Lord, we thank you for your word and your call on our lives, where you're calling us through your son, Jesus Christ, to yourself, to offer your life, to offer the forgiveness of sin, and to offer a way back to God. Lord, we ask that by your spirit, you will draw us closer to you and follow after you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.